Welcome to the Small Nonprofit Podcast with down-to-earth practical advice on how to get things done in your small organization. You are going to change the world and we can help. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Anya McGlynn. Hello. So today we're talking about volunteers, and this is such a big one for small organizations because you really do rely on volunteers to get your work done. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Like, they are the bread and butter of the sector. Yeah, and contribute so much in terms of their time to helping you do your work, but Volunteers also require a lot of management. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, it can be really scary and overwhelming. It can feel like make work if you're not doing it well, um, or if you you know happen to have a volunteer that's not working out so well. So mm-hmm. this, we're really going to cover, you know, how to think about your volunteer program, how to onboard your volunteers, and then how to manage and maintain them so that you are really leveraging their goodwill in supporting your organization. Absolutely. And, you know, again, Anya with the process hat on, like um, total wonk about, you know, how you can make that process um, easier um, by by just getting smart about the, the process that you use to, uh, to engage them. So, we know that volunteerism, just like everything else, uh, has been affected by digital technology. Um, so volunteerism doesn't look the same way uh, as it did 15 years ago. Um, so what are the ways in which your volunteers want to be engaged? And, and where and when do they want to work on your behalf? So if you think about, for example, a volunteer who's working on a finance committee, and they want to review last year's performance, or they want to use, they want to look at a forecast for the next quarter. Are they able to access that information, say at one in the morning when they can't sleep and they pick up their their cell phone, right? So, are you making the the information that a volunteer needs to to effectively work on your behalf? Are you making it readily available to them? Um, and that can be as easy as just creating a shared drive and, you know, uploading a, a bunch of docs and saying off you go. Um, but if you if it, if uh, a volunteer to be, in order to be successful and be helpful to your organization has to go through several hoops and calling and emailing several different type people to, to get the information that they need. The likelihood is that they're not going to stay connected for a long time. Definitely. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, Netflix and Zipcar and all these <laughs> other, you know, great digital platforms have created an expectation about what it means uh, to go online and access information or to, or, or to do something. Um, and, uh, and if as a charity you aren't at least making some steps to make that process of accessing information easier, um, you're, you're going to end up uh, in some cases disappointing a, a, a more fickle volunteer. Absolutely. So systems and processes are so important. And we've talked about that with staff. It's equally true volunteers. I want you to think of them as your staff um, and treat them and your staff amazingly. Because that's the other thing that I think comes out in this interview and is so important across the board is, you know, making sure that people are intrinsically motivated and making sure that they're getting out of the experience what what they want. And and to do that, you know, having a conversation, asking them what they want. Fully, fully. Yeah. So um, in this this issue, the subject of volunteerism is dear to my heart. I worked for an organization um, that put on an event called the Time Razor, where, um, where we encourage people to volunteer their time in exchange for great uh, works of art. Um, and so one of the things that we would hear quite often from, from the volunteers as, as we used to sur- survey them is, 
what were they were hoping to get out of volunteerism? For some people, it was socializing. For some people, it was professional development. For some people, they wanted to learn a skill that was completely unrelated to the work that they do nine to five. Um, and for for others, it was they wanted to apply that skill that they'd worked so hard uh, professionally in developing to to social good. So when somebody comes to you, that th- there's any number of different motivations and reasons for why they're uh, they're coming to you. It's it's so easy to ask and to figure out that motivation and to see if you're the right organization to meet that need. You might not be, um, and that's the other thing that I think Kamara does a really great job of addressing is you know how to to turn a volunteer who's who's maybe not the right fit in, into um, you know into something that 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 is the right fit. Definitely. So this is a great conversation. Really step-by-step practical in terms of building a volunteer program. Uh, And of course, even if you are more established in your volunteer management, I think there's some really great uh, tips and tools. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Excellent. Kamara Chambers is the Executive Director at Volunteer Toronto. She's a skilled leader of people programs and events. Very impressively, she got her LLB under the age of 20, but opted for a career in the nonprofit sector to use her skills and passions to help community organizations. Her areas of expertise are volunteerism, the nonprofit sector, community and youth engagement, strategic planning, event management, and program management. She is a rising star, having risen up quickly through the ranks at Volunteer Toronto and is leading the organization to great things today. Please join me in welcoming Kamara. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Amazing. So small organizations really rely on volunteers or arguably should rely on volunteers to meet their mission, to get their work done. Can you tell us a little bit about Volunteer Toronto and your role in the sector? Yes. So I'm Kamara Chambers. I'm the Executive Director at Volunteer Toronto. And we are a volunteer centre based in Toronto that essentially connects volunteers to nonprofits across the city that need them. So we work with hundreds of nonprofits who are looking for volunteers or who need volunteer management help. And we are essentially there to help them as well as inspire people in the community to actually give back through volunteering. Amazing. And for those who are listening from outside of Toronto, there are volunteer centers across Canada uh, and presumably in the United States as well that you can that can access and have similar resources to what you have. Um, So can you tell us a little like I always find volunteers are sort of this tricky space for organizations because we want them, but we also want to make sure that it's not a make work project that we can actually leverage volunteers to meet our mission and then manage them. But let's start with talking about how to actually leverage volunteers in a small organization where there are very few staff resources. Yes. So it's really up to the organization how they want to work with volunteers and which areas of their work they want to involve volunteers in. Um, Lots of organizations have volunteers help out with outreach. Some help them with fundraising. Um, It's quite common to find volunteers involved with things like admin or being involved more in terms of office operations and very often program support as well. Um, We always find that it's really important for an organization to, before they start to involve volunteers, really sit back, look at your programs, your operations and how you work and determine areas where volunteers can not only support your mission, but also have a meaningful volunteer experience as well. So that's really important. I think um, it's, it's often really 
um, easy to think of volunteering as a bit of a one-way street as, as in the organization receiving help from volunteers and they're the only one that benefits. But I'm a big believer in the fact that volunteerism should be a two-way street. So really the volunteer should be gaining something as well. So how do you find out what volunteers want and, and how do you build a program that is a win-win? Firstly, on an, in, on an individual level, simply ask. I always find that when I'm recruiting a volunteer, I very bluntly ask the question, what do you want to gain from this experience? Is there anything you're looking to leave this volunteer experience having, um, having found or, um, or even been exposed to, whether that's new experience or some people simply want to give back and get a greater sense of the organization's mission. Others are brand new to our city and want to get a better sense of the city and make new friends. And I always find once I have a really clear grasp of what that person is looking for, I then am able to still have that volunteer role as it is, but do little things to ensure that I'm meeting that person's needs as well. So that's really important. And in terms of ensuring that it's a good fit in terms of the organization, you really want to make sure, hopefully before you start to recruit volunteers, that you have a really good sense of what type of person would be good for that role, what types of skills and experience might be a good fit, and then essentially look for people that that fit that. Whilst of course, trying not to be too um, too narrow or linear with what you're looking for, just to allow different people to have that opportunity. Yeah, because I feel like there's a fundamental tension there, which is like customization, right? Making it meaningful to the people who are coming out and who are uh, want to volunteer, but then trying to, especially for small organizations, trying to build out programs that are sustainable means yes. replic- rep- replicable, right? So how do you build volunteer positions that you can have multiple people fill while at the same time uh, having a diversity of volunteers and skill sets? So how would you recommend like trying to straddle those two spaces? Mm-hmm. That's a really great question. I would definitely say start with what you know you need. So there's no point creating a volunteer position for someone who wants to help you if you know that you don't necessarily have a need for their skills. So start really by almost creating a wish list of all of the help that you might need in your organization, whether that's assisting um, an outreach program that you have or whether that's assisting at your front desk. Maybe you need someone to be a greeter in your in your community center. Once you have that clear list, it's then it's then much more easier to then begin to create and maybe meld different volunteer opportunities together to really help it. Um, to make, really make sure it fits that person that, you're, that you that you want to actually involve as a volunteer. Amazing. And then not everyone is the right volunteer. No, unfortunately, right? not everyone is a great fit. So how do you have that conversation, right? We are so used to accepting whatever comes our way, right? Small organizations, that's like part of our DNA. Yeah. So how do you say to someone, thanks, but no thanks? And in this case, volunteering, but I feel like we could learn those skills across the board. (laughs) I definitely think we could. So it really depends at what stage of the journey you're at. So ideally, you're having that thanks, but no thanks conversation at the very beginning before you've even recruited them as a volunteer. So it really begins with how you screen the the volunteer and also the position that you have that's hopefully clearly laid out in terms of what you're looking for and what the roles are within that um, with the, what the responsibilities are within that role. So 
once you have a clear idea of what you're looking for, it's then relatively easy to say to someone, unfortunately, we're looking for this. You don't quite fit what we're looking for here. Um, however, where it becomes trickier, and I think lots of organizations who are listening probably agree, that it becomes much more difficult once you've recruited someone. They've started volunteering with you for a few months and then you start realizing, oh my gosh, I've got the volunteer from hell. I'm not sure what I should do here because this person seems great, but unfortunately, they're not necessarily following the instructions I'm giving them or they seem to um, be dealing with situations in a way that's inappropriate so at that point it becomes a little bit more difficult something that we always think is really important is to be really prepared so if you haven't um, screened them appropriately and at that point it's still a little bit too late then it's really important to ensure that you have some training that's in place. So as soon as a volunteer starts, they have a very, very clear understanding of what's expected of them. Even better, you'll have a policy in place that will really talk about essentially things that the volunteer should know and what your expectations are. Your expectations in terms of their rights and responsibilities, your expectations in terms of their dress code, even your expectations in terms of how they will quit their volunteer position if it gets to that point where they don't want to do it or can no longer do it. And then finally, it's really important in those policies to be very clear about how you might dismiss a volunteer. If it is a situation that's extreme enough where you decide that volunteer isn't right, you may need to decide how and when you'll let them go. That's so fantastic. And I love the focus on training because one of the things that uh, Anya, who's co-hosting the podcast with me and I were talking about earlier today, was um, the ability to capture information and onboard volunteers in a meaningful way that allows them the training and, and space to be successful. And you mentioned sort of a journey right from recruitment through to onboarding and continued management. Can you tell us about that a little bit and what path uh, organizations should go down to effectively build a volunteer program? Yes, that's a great question. So I guess if you're starting from the very, very beginning, you would really look to decide what kind of volunteer role am I looking for? So what kind of position is this? What's the title? What are their responsibilities? And then you'd move on to what kind of person would be a great fit, being care to being careful to stay away from any demographic areas, which could lead to discrimination. Um, and then once you have that clear idea, so I'll give an example, I guess that would probably be easier. So for instance, at Volunteer Toronto, we have recently recruited a number of volunteers to help with our outreach. So we do lots of community outreach where we go to community events and we encourage people to volunteer. So we really started by deciding what we needed based on um, the the requests that were coming through from us. And then we recognized that we were looking for a volunteer who had some weekend availability, who was very comfortable and confident speaking to members of the public, someone who's friendly and warm. And for us, most most importantly, really passionate about volunteerism. Once we had that clear idea, we were able to really map out some of the skills that we were looking for. So we wanted the person to hopefully be um, comfortable enough speaking to new people, someone who was relatively outgoing, um, someone who might have done a little bit of volunteering before, so someone who could draw on their own volunteer experience. And then once we had that clear idea, that almost profile of a volunteer, we were able to begin to um, look to recruit that person. So once we'd done the promotion and we we use our website, like many nonprofits in our city, volunteertoronto.ca, um, the next point was to screen the people who came in. So for us, we typically do an in-person interview or a phone interview, um, depending on the role. If the person is working with vulnerable people, we might do a police check. Um, and at that point, we'll have a really good sense of whether or not we think the person will be a good fit for the position. Once we've decided that, yes, thumbs up, they are. 
we would definitely want to ensure that before the person even begins to to begin to speak to members of the public or begin to represent us externally they would have had thorough training so that would involve things like finding out exactly the background of our organization and what we do and what we don't do as an organization we would cover things like how the volunteer should answer basic questions that members of the public would ask them how the volunteer should physically turn up how early they should be when they're attending events what they should be wearing things they should say and things they should never say um little things like never speaking to the media on behalf of volunteer toronto without a staff member's permission simple but not always obvious not always obvious and i think lots of people definitely learn from bad experiences when something has gone wrong and then they recognize what they should have said but really ensuring that that training is comprehensive and so so once a volunteer is fully trained they know exactly what's expected of them and also how they can really thrive and perform well in the role and then at that point they would begin volunteering. So how do you actually deliver that training? Because it can be very time consuming, not Mm -hmm. just on one volunteer manager, if you're lucky enough to have a volunteer manager, but on all the staff. Um, But it's so important and critical to success. So what are some ways that you can make it more efficient, Mm -hmm. but still effective? So one way that we've done that is we've done online webinars. Other times we've had PowerPoint presentations that we've sent to them ahead of time. We've always found that writing our volunteer policy or our volunteer handbook, as we call it internally, um, and having that available by PDF and sending sending that to volunteers ahead of time is actually a really great way for volunteers to, in their own time, really read through what we're looking for and what we expect of them so they can then have a clear sense of um, what's involved in being a volunteer at Volunteer Toronto. And so I think it really depends. I, I do think in person is often the, the best way. You're able to then build a rapport with the volunteer, but I do recognize that that does take up a lot of time. So if that's not possible, looking electronically or online is definitely a good way of delivering that information amazing and maybe a hybrid um but do you ever have a circumstance where you send all that onboarding and training to a volunteer and then they show up for their first shift or for their the next in-person step of the training and they actually haven't done any of the homework yes we do we definitely do and something we've started to do as a result of that happening to really try to avoid those situations is we actually ask volunteers to sign just a short letter that says yes i've read and understood this and we also speak to them specifically and ask them any questions that they may have just to get a sense of it the other thing that we typically do particularly for roles that are um are much more involved in terms of representing us out in the community we'll make sure they do a lot of shadowing um and that they almost um Um, observed first before they actually go out and represent us unaided. I love that because it's also kind of succession planning and and using your volunteers to train other volunteers. Exactly. So it's not just staff resources. Um, So now you have a volunteer who's actively volunteering. They're out there doing their thing. How do you make sure that you have a continued, almost supervisory relationship with them and making sure that they're continuing to be uh, satisfied and, and delivering on what uh, uh, that value to the organization? So that's a really good question. And I think it really depends on the role. So I think it's much more easy to supervise a volunteer when you're seeing them every time they volunteer. So someone who's volunteering in the office or someone who's being overseen by program staff, who's coming into contact with the volunteers on a regular basis, it's much more easy to give the volunteer feedback, to receive feedback from the volunteer, um, or just ask them how they're getting on. 
It does become that much harder though when you're not seeing the volunteer on a regular basis and you may not necessarily know how that person is doing. We always advise in either situation that you do have a more formal check-in with the volunteer. It's up to you as an organisation to determine how often that is. I would definitely say at the very least it should be once a year, ideally more frequently though, every couple of months, maybe on a monthly basis and it can be as formal or informal as you want. It might be a simple phone call to ask how they're doing, whether they're still enjoying the role, whether there's anything that you as an organization can do to make it um, even more meaningful for them. And that's a really good opportunity to ensure that, that the feedback that you're receiving is, is happening in two ways. You're receiving it, but you're also giving it as well. So how do you give that feedback? Because that's really tough for people, especially like we're bad at doing it with our paid staff. <laughs> I think we're especially bad at doing it with volunteers. So giving the feedback, I think it definitely has to be done sensitively because, uh, and I've seen this happen before, when someone gives feedback in a way that's maybe a little bit too abrupt or blunt, it's very easy for a volunteer to say, well, I don't need to be here. I'm only helping you guys out, out of the goodness of my heart. I don't want to do this anymore because I didn't, I didn't necessarily expect to or want to receive that type of feedback. So I do think it takes an extra level of finesse and um, empathy really when, when delivering feedback to a volunteer. One thing that we find to be really useful is if we, if we see a volunteer do something that's not appropriate, we'll usually speak to them immediately. So nipping it in the bud straight away is definitely a good thing to do. Um, always starting with some positive. So saying how much you appreciate them, um, why you think they're doing a great job and saying one small thing that they might want to change is maybe how they spoke to the client or how they address them or, um, or maybe how punctual they're being. Um, and then also always, it's a sandwich approach, essentially reiterating at the end why you appreciate having them um, and why you think they're still a great volunteer. Of course, though, if someone, if you're giving feedback to someone and it's negative feedback or constructive feedback, and you are hopeful that um, they will improve, but you think they may repeat it, it may make sense though to begin to keep a record for your own sake of that volunteer's behaviour um, to ensure that you have a clear understanding and recollection of what's happening when it comes to how they're performing. Excellent. And do you have any sort of management tips on how to keep volunteers active and engaged. I mean, you, you mentioned the, we've talked about the sort of regular check-ins at least once a year, but ideally more. What else, especially for organizations where it's probably not a volunteer manager, but a programming staff or an executive director who's managing them, what are little tips and tools you've picked up along the way around how to keep people engaged and feeling like their work is meaningful? So my biggest personally is to always, always express the impact of their work. So it's really easy for a volunteer to be helping you out month after month, probably be enjoying the role, but not necessarily understanding what impact they're having or what happens as a result of the time that they're giving. So I always find it really important just to stop by with a volunteer, particularly if I've heard a compliment about them. So someone, whether it's a member of staff or a, a service user of ours, says to me, that person's been amazing because X, Y, Z. I will always make sure I reiterate that to the volunteer and, and express to them uh, what impact they're having by giving us their time. But some organizations take it one step further and can do it in, in even more of a structured way. So whether it's collecting stats on the impact of the volunteers and the time they've given, um, whether it's publishing that information in their annual report, it's really important to find simple but effective ways of actually determining how your organization is being um, better or improving as a result of the volunteers' time and then always expressing it to them, particularly if you're able to say, 
you specifically made the impact by doing this. Can you give us an example of a, a volunteer who's worked out like incredibly well and how all these things have built or fed into their success? Their future success. Or their success in volunteering with the organization. I would say um, there was a volunteer who volunteered with us who um, began volunteering with us because she was she was taking a period of um, a career break essentially and so she she started off doing one role one very specific role in the office she was helping us out by planning an event for us or assisting with the planning of an event and from there she actually began to understand more about our organization and all of our different programs. And she began to express that she had um, a background and experience developing PowerPoint presentations. And she wanted to lend some of her expertise and actually jazzing up some of the um, the workshops that we hold in the community. So from there, she was able to um, transfer her skills and lend them to us to actually ensure that our workshops were even more effective. Um, and from there, she then began to um, have such a, a good sense of what we did in the community that she then began to present some of those workshops as well. Um, so for us, it was a really amazing opportunity to see someone who came in very specifically to do one thing, but because they were able to, one, I guess, feel included in our community at, in the office um, and feel empowered to then offer her skills in other areas, that she then was able to help in numerous different programs. And actually now she's gone on to become a member of staff of Volunteer Toronto. Um, so she really, she really helped us in many different ways. And I think because we were able to offer her um, some flexibility in her volunteer role, as well as giving her lots of opportunity to provide feedback as well. It just meant that we benefited so much from her expertise and she also was able to gain new skills as well in the process. I love that story because really talking about starting with that sort of typical volunteer job description, if you will, but then having the flexibility to adapt and give your volunteers an opportunity to make it more meaningful to them. So it's sort of a hybrid, which is really great. Uh, what about the opposite? I think I, I'm going back to that sort of horror story uh, where you've had to, you know, ask a volunteer to leave. I think people get so frozen with that daunting task. And I, I'd love to hear a story or an example of when you've had to do that, either at Volunteer Toronto or, or any other point in your career, uh, in a way that uh, it ended maybe with, with no hard feelings. <laughs> I would say one that sticks out in my mind was there was a large event that we held and we recruited a volunteer who was not a good fit for the registration role. And I'm not sure if other organizations have experienced this, but in my experience, everyone wants to be a registration volunteer. I'm not sure what that is. It's something very, I guess, glamorous about registration. Um, and people are really drawn to that role. And so she had wanted to be a registration volunteer. We placed her on the registration desk, but quite quickly, we began to recognize that she wasn't going to be a good fit for it. So she was um, very quickly becoming flustered with people who were arriving for the event. A few times she spoke to um, 
members of her team in a way that wasn't necessarily particularly appropriate. So it was a bit of a sharp tone. Um, and we realized that she probably would be better fit for a job or a role on the volunteer team at the event, but something that was a little bit high pressure, something a little bit less high pressure, something that was a bit calmer where she could work at her own pace. And so when we approached her to have the conversation about her moving to a different position, unfortunately she didn't take it well um and she actually refused to move she refused she refused to step away from the registration desk um and not only is that like not working out well but that's in the middle of an event like this the pressure the everything's going on around you that's intense yes and it's definitely a place where you don't want to cause a scene but that was definitely starting to happen and so and and i had asked her if we could step into a quieter space so i could have the conversation with her privately um and it, it was just something that she she wasn't um wasn't willing to do in the end we were able to come to a bit of a happy conclusion um that she would she would be relocated to a different part of the registration desk where it wasn't quite as as busy um but i was definitely concerned by the lack of flexibility that she was showing the fact that she wasn't receiving the feedback that i was trying to diplomatically give to her so it really ended with at the end of the event i had to have um quite a calm conversation with her about the fact that our events are very busy and we definitely expect our volunteers as well as our staff to be very flexible and willing to accommodate the event's needs um and that unfortunately given that was something she wasn't willing to do we wouldn't be asking her to volunteer at any events of ours in the future and i think that was something that she um she recognized was a a conversation that was going to come as a result of our conversation earlier and it, it was a tough decision on our part but the the risk of having her attend our events in the future and help out and the same thing repeating was much more of a um a problematic risk for us yeah that's one <laughs> i would say less lesson learned there was that if we had maybe screened her a little bit better um or if we paid more attention in the training the pre-event training that she wasn't going to be a good fit we probably should have intervened sooner rather than waiting for event day so learn from my mistakes <laughs> absolutely um that that is that yeah i think everyone has a story like that and i'm gonna say i'm guilty early on in my career of probably ghosting a volunteer or two (laughs) hopefully you don't ever want that to happen i've learned (laughs) i've learned from that but uh you know it's sometimes especially when you're just starting out you kind of just want to move on and, uh, you know, they don't call you back. So you don't call them back and it's okay, but it's not okay. Don't do that. Don't learn, do that. Learn no. from Kamara, not from me. And the funny thing is I volunteered at an event where I saw, I saw the same thing happen. A volunteer was fired during the event. Uh, but the, the, the volunteer manager chose to say, go like now. And it went down so poorly. And it just reminded me to your best, even if it is simply an event, one time volunteer role, do your best to choose the right people before you get to event day when things are going to be hectic anyway. Yeah. And then stay calm and be measured in your approach. Um, are there uh, can, sort of areas where are typically more challenging in terms of volunteer management? Like, you know, if this is a common thing with events. So are there areas where it's a little easier for organizations to start off their volunteer program versus, you know, if you're going to, versus diving, I guess, right into the deep end? So sorry, do you mean? So are there types of volunteer roles that are a little easier to manage from an organizational perspective versus others? 
I would definitely say volunteer roles where you are working very closely with a volunteer. I think it provides, and also in a, in a like low stress environment, there are so many more opportunities for you to step in and hopefully coach that volunteer on how to improve if they're not working out quite the way you are that you'd hoped. Um, and then just give them lots of opportunities to improve before you say, okay, I don't think this is working out. I definitely know that our policy is very clear in outlining at what point we dismiss a volunteer and event situations are unusual because they're, um, they're a bit more high pressure. But usually a volunteer role that's, um, a little bit calmer, um, and where you're, wo- where you're working that much closely with the volunteer, you are able to then provide a lot more support and time really for that volunteer to grow into that role rather than expecting everything from the get-go fantastic um are there any other tips or resources that are sort of like foundational if you're starting a volunteer program or you feel like your yours needs a little bit of a refresh that you think people should should look at i would say that there are lots actually so it doesn't sound like the most interesting or fun place to start, but I would suggest the policy is a very per- first place to go. It doesn't need to be long. It doesn't have to be 50 pages long. Um, but really starting to put down on paper what your standards and expectations are is um, a really useful way of ensuring that in the future, when things don't go according to plan, all staff within the organization and volunteers have a clear guideline in terms of what will happen next. If anyone wants to see an example of a policy, you can always contact us at Volunteer Toronto and we can share our policy with you so you can have a good sense of what that looks like. Um, it's always good as well to train staff. So are your staff trained? How do they feel about managing volunteers? Are they nervous about it? Or do they have experience and understanding of what really makes a volunteer role meaningful and how to engage volunteers appropriately? Um, it's always important to um, really try to search out external resources that can be a guide for you if, if you yourself need to train staff or at least point them in the right direction. And again, I'd probably recommend checking out our website because there are lots of resources on there. Um, I would also say as well, having those clear training um, opportunities for volunteers is just another place to um, really ensure that a volunteer has exactly what they need to thrive in the role. And I think that will make your job that much easier. Fabulous. I want to end the conversation on volunteer recognition, uh, because I think that again, like with, with all of this, organizations often get bogged down in the day to day that they forget to, especially if you don't have a volunteer manager, you kind of forget that that's important or that you have to remember to do it. So what are some easy, inexpensive ways to recognize your volunteers, uh, beyond what you mentioned earlier, which is sort of when you get good feedback or, or, or consistently giving them, reminding them of their impact. Uh, what are some other things that organizations do well? So something that I think is really easy and I actually learned from my predecessor is including the executive director or a senior member of staff in the thank yous to the volunteers. So whether that means that that person walks around the event and says thank you to each and every volunteer at the end or whether that means they maybe take the volunteer out for coffee once in a while um, ensuring that the um, volunteers feel like they aren't 
just volunteers, quote unquote, but they are being recognized and acknowledged by senior management makes the world of difference. It's so often that volunteers tell us that they feel like they're invisible or they're not noticed or don't really have a say in an organization. And I think really ensuring that senior management and or the board is involved in thanking a volunteer can can make um, make a big difference for a volunteer and how they see the role. Other small things is a simple thank you card makes a, a big difference as well, particularly around National Volunteer Week, which happens in April. Saying thank you at that time is always good. Um, some organizations choose to buy gifts. That's not always necessary though. Um, but if you do have a small budget, you might want to buy, um, your volunteer something small, whether it's a little gift card, um, some kind of small token, like a mug or something, but you, you do have to have a budget for that. Um, I would probably say though that, and it sounds surprising, but the biggest thing that I've noticed when thanking volunteers is that impact. And I think that's something that more organizations are becoming aware of and taking some time to step back and recognize how they can best um, articulate the impact of their volunteers to them. So their volunteers understand what specific uh, difference they've made to the organization. Um, and that really does make a big difference to them. Amazing. Kamara, where can people learn more about the resources that you guys provide? So if you go to volunteertoronto.ca, you will see that we have a section for nonprofits. Um, and there you'll see lots of information from templates to online learning. We have in-person workshops if you're based in Toronto. If there's anything at all that you're looking for that you can't see, you can always feel free to drop us an email, info at volunteertoronto.ca. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Cindy. Well, folks, that's it for today's episode of The Small Nonprofit. I'm your host, Cindy Wagman, and this show is brought to you by The Good Partnership. As a reminder, if you want more resources around raising more money for your small nonprofit, visit thegoodpartnership.com and download our free fundraising strategy guide. I'll see you next week. Thank you.